Before this episode begins, I just want to give a massive thank you to our amazing patron, Eve Gilligan, for all your support. Hello, Hello. everyone. <laughs> um, I bet you're wondering why on earth we are in this position and this setup. Different setup. So, <laughs> yeah. what we are doing um, is we're doing like a therapy podcast. So I feel like a lot of our listeners know us to an extent, but not really. They, yeah, they question a lot how we even friends, yeah. really. So just to get give you more insight of how we actually are when we're not pretending to be someone else with camera. <laughs> um, so this one is going to focus on Reese asking me questions, and then the next one I'm going to be asking Reese questions. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm quite nervous. I'm actually shaking. Um, <laughs> I'm worried about what these questions are going to be. Um, but let's just get into it. <laughs> obviously, just start off relatively light, and then obviously we'll go deeper and deeper. And okay. We'll call it a day there. So, Lewis. Yeah. How's your day today? Perfect, thank you. It's been quite nice. Um, when did you realise that you needed glasses? <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't so much as like a realisation. It's just we had like regular eye checks um, as kids. Yeah. And I went into the optician, and the optician was quite a concern. Uh, and they were like, you... Can't actually, you know that like colour theory thing? Yeah. Where there's like a number embedded in like dots of colours? Yeah. So that was part of the test. And she was like, what's the number in here? I said, there's no number. She said, there is. What's the number? Sian walks over and went, I was 27. Oh. At that point she was like, ah, I think your eyes are not that great. Um, and then that's when I needed glasses. I think that was like year eight is when I needed glasses for. So yeah, since year eight. So what prescription are you? Currently. Oh God. Um, well, I'm I'm long sighted. Yeah. So I need these for like things like this. If I'm using like computer, my phone, um, working, cinema, things like that. So I can see, but just my eyes are very sensitive. Yeah. And like sensitive to light as well. So um, they help out quite a lot with like migraines and shit. Okay. Uh, what's your favourite memory? Ooh. Like in general or like so far. Oh God, um, that's a good question. Um, I, my, one of my favourite memories is I really enjoyed the feeling that I felt after finishing Hairspray. So when I did Hairspray in 2018, after the show had finished, all of us on stage, like the curtains closed, and we all kind of just had like this nice, I guess like euphoric moment. Yeah. And we just felt very like, we've done this, we've done this for like eight months, we've produced a really nice show, I've made some really good friends, um, and I would say probably in recent years that's my favourite memory. Okay. Yeah. Uh, would you? What would you say was has been the happiest moment in your life to date? Happiest moment in my life. Ooh. Happiest moment in my life. Probably when I came out. Yeah. I was so scared about actually coming out. But when I like told my family, when I told friends, things like that, people were like genuinely just really supportive, and they didn't care, and not in the sense of like, I don't, you know, but they didn't care about the fact that I was gay. They were just like, you're still Lewis. Um, I remember distinctly a text that you sent me when I came up to you on text, um, yeah. and you were like, I, I don't care whether you're gay, straight, whatever, you know. You, you're still my friend, you're still Lewis, it doesn't change who you are, it doesn't change our friendship. 
and that genuinely made me happy. So that's probably one of the happiest moments of my life, just like knowing that people were so supportive and so like happy for me yeah. for when I came yeah. out. That's good. Mm. So what, <coughs> what has been your favourite family moment then? Favourite family moment? Because obviously that was like your favourite moment. So what's your favourite as a part of the whole family? The immediate family, like your mom, dad, sisters. Yeah. Um, favourite family moment? We, uh, probably when my parents got married actually. Um, they got married back in 2008, so it was quite a, a, while, about, um, a while back. But it was just really nice, like, it, they eloped, so it was just the four of us together. Um, they went abroad and it was lovely, and it was just a really nice, not just holiday, but just like, a nice time for us as a family together. Um, so that probably is one of my favourite family moments. Did you have any involvement in the wedding? Yes, so, as I said, because they, because they eloped, like I was the best man and also the ring bearer. Yeah. Um. So like, we we kind of had it very low key, very like small and stuff, and it was just really nice. I was nine, but I turned ten that holiday as well. So it was nice to kind of be involved without needing to do too much. Like it was nice to be there and you know watch my parents get married and all that kind of stuff. Um. So that yeah, it was just it was just lovely. It was a really nice like moment for us all. What's your proudest achievement to date? My proudest achievement to date was probably Kinky Boots, because if you'd have asked me four years ago to do a yeah. show where I'm in full drag, I'm in a dress, I'm in heels, I'm in makeup, I probably would have been a little bit reserved and a little bit like, I'm gay but I'm not that comfortable with who I am and things like that, whereas now that I'm older and a lot more comfortable with myself, doing a show like that, it, it was just really great for me to be able to kind of delve into that and, and delve into that role. So I genuinely think that doing Kinky Boots and playing as Lola was to date, is to date my proudest moment. Um, I just loved it, it was just so much fun. And I feel like I relate to Lola on a lot of different levels. Oh yeah. So yeah, probably that. So you mentioned in the last four years you came more comfortable in obviously sexuality, etc. So mm -hmm. where do you see yourself in 10 years? In terms of my sexuality or just in general? In general, as well as obviously sexuality, financially, um, job more, all that kind of stuff. Ideally, in 10 years, I would love to just have, um, I'd love to be married in, in the next 10 years. Um, I'd love to have kids and like have a house and like a little family. Um, that would be really nice for me in the next 10 years. Job wise, I would obviously love for the podcast to become like my thing and like the, the biggest um, source of income for me. Yeah. But if that doesn't happen in the next 10 years, I would like to be in a kind of stable job, whether it's you know in the job I'm currently in or whether it's in like a different industry or whatever. Um, I would like to just feel comfortable, whether that means I earn a shit ton of money or just a nice amount that also matches like my husband. Um, I would just like to be comfortable and have a nice family unit, have all my friends, like whether they're in the immediate vicinity or same city or whatever, it would just be nice to kind of have friends nearby that I can call upon when I need them, um, family not too far away. But yeah, I would like to have my own little like suburban life in, um, in, in 10 years. That would be ideal for me. So what would you say is your main personal goal in life? Um, my main personal goal is just success. And that doesn't necessarily just mean like, you know, oh, I want to be like a big time celebrity. That's not what that means. For me, like personal success is being able to kind of actually get on top of my finances and like sort my shit out um, and just feel like what I'm doing, whether it's my day-to-day -day job or whether it's the podcast or whatever, I do it to the best of my ability. I do it and I make it amazing, you know? 
and that for me is what success is that for me would be the ideal for success so that's 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 kind of what i want that's what i would like um in terms of like success and stuff okay cool so um considering where you are in life now and everything mm-hmm. you've been through and what you plan to do would you say you're happy i could be happier i wouldn't say i'm necessarily unhappy because i'm very grateful for the things that i have you know i've got a nice place to live um i've got a good job i've got wonderful friends around me i've got wonderful family all that kind of stuff so i wouldn't sit here and say that i'm unhappy but i know that in my life i could be happier if i was more financially stable if i was probably at you know a better weight um if i i'm not saying that i need a boyfriend to make me happy because that's not that's not true. I, th- I feel like I can find my own happiness, but it would be nice to have a boyfriend. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like there are small elements of my life that I could change or could be different to make me happier. So I'm not unhappy, but I'm not the happiest that I could be yeah. at this point. So is there anything that makes you feel down? Um, yeah, so I, I struggle a lot with like day-to-day like anxieties and stuff. And I, I, I have a lot of thoughts in my head of... I, I make up a lot of scenarios in my head that aren't necessarily always true. So I always overthink a lot of things and, you know, I might talk to someone and I might feel like they're getting annoyed at me or they don't want to come and see me. Like, there's, there's one thing, like, recently that I've kind of felt sad about. Obviously, I live in this flat by myself and I feel that sometimes I feel very alone. And I know that, obviously, friends and family and stuff have, have their own lives, but sometimes I do feel like I just... I come home from work and I just sit here. I don't really do that much. I don't really see people. Um, and it's it's usually me kind of going to people and things like that. And I do sometimes just feel very lonely. And, and I feel like, again, if that element of my life could just change slightly, maybe it would get me out of this rut. But that's the one thing at the moment that I feel like is making me like the most down. There are obviously other little things in life as well, but that's the thing immediately that I'm thinking like, I just feel quite alone a lot of times. Is there anyone you turn to when you do feel alone, or do you just try to keep it in because obviously you don't want to burden people? With that's pretty much it, yeah, like I, I try I try as much as I can to just like, like keep it in and internalise it and just kind of go, okay, you can get through this, you know, just get through it by yourself, because again, look, I, I don't know individually what all of my friends or family are going through in their own lives. And I know people are going through loads of different things, so what I wouldn't want to do is reach out to someone and go, I'm having a really shit time, um, can you drop everything to come and see me and all that kind of stuff, if they've got their own stuff going on. Um, but then friends are always like, oh, but you know, you can you can talk to me and stuff. So I just need to kind of, in my own head, understand that I'm not necessarily always being a burden, and I can reach out to people and I can speak to people if I need to. Yeah. But I just need to kind of understand the boundary of, you know, I'm not going to sit there and like trauma dump for like hours, but just speaking to someone is probably a good first step for me to be able to maybe get out of this rut that I'm in. So what happens when you get overwhelmed and you feel lonely? Um, honestly, I let my mind get the better of me and I will do things that probably <coughs> aren't good for me long term. So I will do things like like, for example, I'm going to be, like, full disclosure here, I haven't really eaten, like, a proper dinner for the last couple of weeks. And I'll just do things like, I'll have a slice of toast, or I'll have, like, a pack of biscuits. And obviously that's not good. It's still eating something, but it's not putting good things into my body. And on a long term, 
It's not helping me. Or I'll do other stupid things like I will go into like grinder or things like that and and in that moment it's kind of like well I'm doing something I'm, my mind's being occupied by something else but actually it's something that isn't going to help me long term and I'm trying to find alternative ways to occupy my mind it's difficult because I'm very set in my ways and you know I think breaking out of routines is quite a difficult thing to do but I'm trying to find alternative things to do to help me occupy my mind. Do you think, um, do you think that sometimes that your own mind is your worst enemy? Absolutely, yeah. As I say, I overthink a lot of things and I will be lying in my bed. And you know how people make jokes about, oh, I've made up this fake scenario in my head. I do that a lot. I'll be in my bed and I'll think about people, situations, the day that I've just had, and I'll make up a lot of things in my head. And I will genuinely believe these delusions that I've made up in my head. Um, and it just, it, it scares me sometimes how easily my mind can be tricked by myself. Um, and I do say, I do think that my mind is my own worst enemy. So. What would you say your saddest memory is then? Um, my saddest memory. It, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of, it's a very recent thing. So in May, um, our dog passed away. Um, which is really sad. Obviously, we had her for 13 years. We grew up with her, all of that kind of stuff. So it is one of those that is, it was quite sad for the whole family. And I don't think I've ever seen my entire immediate family so collectively upset. Like, we've all been upset about different situations and different things individually. But I don't think I've ever seen us all so collectively upset about something. Um, and that's just, I think that is one of the things that has hindered me on my progress so I would like to think that from the start of the year until mid-May I was quite good in terms of like I was going to the gym regularly I was kind of watching the things I was eating and you know all of that kind of stuff I was, I was really bettering my mind obviously I had kinky boots which was really fun and really good and then I think after after Tisa passed away my mind has been in a completely different place and it's just it's been all over the place and I've stopped doing the good things that are going to help me long term um, so that is probably my saddest memory and probably one of the main things that are stopping me from being my best self at the moment. Um, it is obviously really sad and we're still like getting through it and stuff. It's becoming easier, like yeah. I can talk about Tisa without getting really upset, but obviously it's still something that I think about all the time. She's, you know, I think about her all the time and all that kind of stuff. And for me, I just worry about how my family are, especially like my parents who are now in an empty house because me and Sian are both away. Sian's back at uni, I'm here. Um, it just, sometimes I don't like going to the house, not because of them, but because it's too quiet. Yeah. And it's just like the thought of that silence and, and what was there before for so long is just, it's a really weird thing to kind of get your head around at the moment. So it's just, it's one of those I'm trying to just still overcome and, and all that kind of stuff and it is getting slightly easier but you know it's i'm still very much in that process of course obviously the process of trauma of obviously losing someone so yeah talking about obviously sadly losing tisa how are you keeping obviously with the loss of tisa and mm. obviously one of your best friends amy before yeah so how do you deal with them and how are you how are you coming to terms with obviously the process of death and mourning etc yeah so i think mourning is something that you aren't taught it's something that you can't just learn and you've got to kind of go through 
the process yourself and, and kind of do it in your own way. So I don't genuinely think that I mourned Amy in the best way that I could have. Um, she died on a Friday. I had to go straight into work the next day, like less than 24 hours after she passed away. And I remember I just walked into work and I had to put on like a happy face. I was working at Cabaret Road at the time, which is obviously a place that you've got to kind of be very animated, very bubbly, especially with the job that I was doing. And so it kind of felt like I had just pushed it away because it was like I needed to at that point. And then I went back into sixth form that Monday and everyone was talking about it and I was kind of just like, oh no, it's fine, it's fine, you know, it's okay. It wasn't fine. Obviously I'd known her since we were four. She was like my first best friend at primary school. We'd grown up together, all of that kind of stuff. I, I don't think I mourned her in the right way. And I, I you know, I, I can, again, it's one of those situations where it's been, in, in 2026 it would have been 10 years. So it's been what, seven years now? And it is easier. Like over the years it got a lot easier. A year after she died, it was still very raw and I was still very upset and crying all the time. Two years, three years. Once I hit like the four and five and six year mark, it was kind of like, okay, it's still a very sad thing and it's still something that does upset me, but it's easier for me to kind of deal with now that I've had that time to process these things and I've had the time to kind of, I guess, mourn properly. I think what helped in a really messed up kind of way was the pandemic because there was nothing going on. So I was able to kind of sit in my own thoughts and go, I've got nothing, I've got no external factors distracting me. I can now sit here and go through what I need to go through in the right way. Um, so as much as the pandemic was an awful situation, it kind of helped from that point of view, allowing me to be able to kind of understand fully and like understand my trauma uh, and kind of go through it properly. Um, how have you felt coming out, obviously not just your family, because as you've already mentioned that you've received quite well, but mm. obviously friends and, fa uh, friends and people from school? Um, I, I, always, I always knew that I could never have properly come out in school. Now, there's always this ever-running joke that I came out and went back in pretty much after a day. Um, I said I was bi, and then I was like, oh, it's okay. Um, I knew it wasn't, and I think a lot of people knew it wasn't, but I... I know what my experience of school was like and I couldn't have, I don't think anyway, I couldn't have properly come out at school just because I, I didn't want to make myself even more of a target than I was. Looking back now, I realise that the people that care about me the most didn't care that I was gay. And I remember a, a really funny thing, and, and Becky will probably remember this, on at one of our WhatsApp group chats. I remember I, I came out to everyone in the group chat, I was like, guys... I need to tell you something. I'm like, you know, it's a really big thing. I really hope that you'll all kind of accept it. And I was like, I'm gay. And everyone's response was just, yeah, we, we know. Like, <laughs> this isn't a big thing. And it, again, it was just a situation where my heart was like, it, it was like beating out of my chest. And as soon as I saw that message, it was like, yeah, we know, it's fine. It really like helped me and, and stuff. And as I mentioned earlier in, in this, you know, in one of your last questions, for you as well, Reese. like, you're my best friend and it was always really daunting to me because of the fact that you are, you know, a lad's lad and all that kind of stuff. It was like me being so different to you in a lot of ways, me being gay, I didn't know how you were going to kind of be able to accept that. Not saying that you're a not accepting person, but obviously 
it, it's still a very taboo thing. Um, so when you did kind of just accept it and was just like, that's fine. Again, it really eased my mind and really helped me out because it was like, actually, I know that the people that I have in my life are the people that are the right people in my life and they accept me fully for who I am and I'm really grateful for that. So I'm very grateful that I've got a wonderful set of friends as well as family who can just accept me and just go, yeah, this is what it is and it's fine. It doesn't change our friendship, it doesn't change who I am as a person or anything like that. So I'm very grateful. And obviously sometimes being obviously a male and having a father, how was it coming out specifically for your dad? <coughs> um, again, I, I, I really thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was because growing up, my dad always wanted me to be like, you know, I was his, I was his first son. Well, his only son, but he, I was his first kid. And he always loved sports. He always loved all of these, like football, basketball, all of that. And he wanted me to like those things too. He never like forced me to do them. He was kind of like, you know, oh, I'll take you to a few sessions and I'll see if you enjoy them and all that kind of stuff. I just didn't enjoy them. And my dad's always, again, been like a lad's lad and all that kind of stuff. So I think it was, it's, it was hard for my dad having a gay son because he didn't really grow up with many gay people. He doesn't really know many gay people in life. So there were things that I had to kind of educate him on and, and talk to him about in different ways. But he's been very supportive. And I mean, I think at some point it's like, the support was like overloaded. Anything with a rainbow on, my dad would buy for me. Whether it was the Converse or a hoodie or this or that. And it's just really nice to know that there is that support there. But sometimes I was like, Dad, I don't need any more rainbows. People will think I'm gay or something yeah. if I have any more rainbows. Um, but no, it's been genuinely really supportive and I'm really happy with the support. And it's, it's good that he's been so receptive of the fact that I am gay and he's asked the right questions and he's changed his mindset and the way he says things and you know all of that um because of, of me being gay so that's that's obviously great and obviously taking account everything you've done and achieved do you think you've made your family proud i would like to hope so um you know obviously i didn't i didn't go to uni so there was a big part of me that was like am i going to be a disappointment for not going to uni but actually neither like neither of my parents went to uni i mean my mum did later on but it was never like from 18 to 21 I went to uni. Um, so I always thought I was going to be more of a disappointment, especially being gay, like doing drama and everything. But I think <coughs> my parents were more kind of like, if this is your passion and what you want to do, as long as you do it well, we're proud. So I would really like to hope that I have made them proud. Um, because that's one of the biggest things for me. That I would I would like to, to make my parents proud. So. Do you think you've done anything that might make them not proud of you? Um, probably the whole being so impulsive with like my money and spending and you know all of that kind of stuff. It's probably something that I wouldn't say I don't know if they're not proud of it, but it's definitely something that they they probably would change about me if they could. Yeah. Um, and and I would agree with them because I have been very impulsive and it has put me in difficult situations in the past so you know maybe that but I, I would like to hope that as a whole I've made them proud that's good I think they're proud of you for speaking them thanks so. what would you say is your worst flaw Ooh. I would say my worst flaw continue to come um I, I I'm probably <coughs> I, I think I take things to heart very quickly and 
can blow things out of proportion sometimes. So someone might make just a very flippant comment and I don't know whether it's because of my anxiety or just like other things from like growing up, but sometimes I take things to heart and I, I allow things to consume me too much. And then as a result of that, I will then react in what's probably deemed as like quite an extreme way, um, whether that's like cutting people off or snapping or things like that. Um, and I think that's one of the flaws that that I really wish I could change about myself. And I am actively trying, but it's not something that's easy for me to change because it's been the case for so long. So I'd probably say that, um, you know, taking things to heart so easily and, and if people are trying to give me advice that's going to help me, sometimes it is really difficult to accept my problems and listen to people's solutions because in my head it's like, well, I can just do it, I can just deal with it and I can just kind of you know, get on with it and whatever. I don't need someone else's help. I do. I think I just need to accept that I am allowed to have other people's help and I'm allowed to listen to people and things like that. Is there anything you hate to talk about which you think you might actually need to speak to someone about or just suppress or keep in? Um, yes, and it's probably to do with, again, understanding and manoeuvring through my sexuality growing up and experimenting and, and doing different things with different guys throughout the years obviously a lot of them weren't comfortable with, with themselves and their sexualities and as a result of that that has then had a toll on me so I don't feel like I have enough like trust in genuine like relationships when it comes to like partners and things like that because I never know if people are I guess using me to experiment or using me to kind of understand themselves or whether they actually have a connection and actually want to be in a relationship with me. So there are a lot of things I need to talk about from my past that I just haven't yet. And I think I've been too scared to do that. I think I've been too scared to, again, accept when there's a problem, accept that, that things have been going wrong. And I think what will really help me is if I just actually sit down and go, right, these are the things that have had happened to me in the past. What solution can we have long term that might help me out? So talking about obviously sexuality, what do you love and hate most about your sexuality? Um, I love the fact that I, I'm I'm a lot more confident. I've always been a confident person, but in terms of personal confidence, I feel a lot more confident in terms of like my style and the way that I carry myself and the way that I walk through life. I, I feel very confident and I'm authentically me. I don't feel like I have to change too much. Like obviously it depends situation by situation. Like I will slightly change how I say things or do things depending on who I'm around. But I'd like to think that fundamentally as a person, I am authentically me. Um, one thing I hate about my sexuality and, and, and I hate to say hate about my sexuality, but there are obviously things that I don't like about being gay and um, there is still just, there's so much taboo about it. There's so much that people don't really know and they ask very like, <clears throat> very weird questions and sometimes it's just, I don't know if it's ignorance or naivety, but I feel like I don't have the energy to sit there and answer these questions because there's so much research that people can do. Research online, research just talking to people and if people aren't doing that, whether that's they haven't got time to do that or they just don't want to do that, 
I don't want to have to sit there and speak to every single straight person and say, well, actually, you can't really do that, or you can't really say that because of this and this and this. And also, a lot of gay people, they're also as intolerant as straight people sometimes. And being a part of that community, which I don't even necessarily think it is really a community because there is so much hatred within ourselves and within each other, within our community. Um, it's like, I don't want to have to explain why things are wrong to intolerant people. Um, and yeah, I just don't feel like the LGBTQIA plus community is even really a community. Like, for the most part it is, but there are the odd few gay people, bisexual people, trans people that are just not included and not, they don't feel like a part of that community. And there's a part of me that's like, I don't really know where I fit in that community because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too big, I'm too black, I'm too this, I'm too that. So I don't really fit into a box. And if you don't fit into a box in that community, you're kind of a non-factor. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not having good relationships within the community. There are obviously other things as well, but I think that's one of the reasons why. Um, that's one thing I really don't like about the community. Is there anything else you dislike about it? Um, I think it's just become... Saturated. Saturated and very catty. Like, it's always been a bit catty and a bit bitchy and stuff, but I feel like because people watch media now, and obviously there's a lot more gay representation in the media, which is amazing, which is great, but the way that we're represented in the media, especially gay black men, I have noticed that I watch a lot of TV shows and gay black men are always portrayed the same. They're always the overly sassy, overly camp, um, you know, too over the top. They're more like a caricature of what a gay black person is. And so when I meet new people, they expect me to be that caricature and to fit into that box. That, that's not who I am. There are elements of each of the characters that maybe I embody, but when people are telling me, oh, you remind me of Titus from um, Un Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. In what way do I remind you of that? Okay, yeah, he likes musicals, I like musicals. He likes singing, I like singing, but there's nothing else apart from that. Or, oh, you remind me of Eric from um, Sex Education. Okay, apart from being gay and black, what fundamentally do I remind you of? And they expect me to be the exact same. So I just think that as amazing as it is that there's so much representation in the media, for, for gay people and queer people and, and you know all of that. I just think that people expect us all to act how they see on films, TV shows and all of that. And that's just not, it's not the case. It's not the truth. And it's just a very ignorant mindset that I think people have. Because obviously mentioned about people and how they see you. So how do you think the average normal day person who doesn't know you perceives you? Um, I think it depends a lot on how I'm carrying myself that day. So I, I say to people quite a lot, <coughs> there are a lot of times where I will dress, I will like wear my clothes, and people can probably look at me and go, he's gay. But there's also a lot of times where I, I don't necessarily think that. Like, I, it's really difficult because you can't say that outfit looks gay because anyone can wear anything, you know? You don't have to wear a certain type of thing. Like, like trackies are not, exclusively for straight men, yeah. you know? But a lot of people still see that. So I might wear a full tracksuit, and because I don't, I don't think, again, I could be wrong here, please correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I have like an overly gay walk or things like that. So maybe people who don't know me can look at me and 
not automatically think he's gay. But they've got something else to look at first. I'm black before I'm gay, in a lot of people's eyes. And they will judge me or see me more in a way of, of a black person before they see me as a gay person. So there are a lot of trepidations of that as well. Um, like, a long time back, I had a full tracksuit on. I wasn't doing anything weird. I was just walking down the road. And I genuinely remember an old woman looked and crossed the road because she saw me coming. Now, I'm not a threatening person. Yeah, I'm a bit big and I'm black. But apart from that, I'm not a threatening person. But it's the fact that she saw that first and crossed the road and stuff like that. Um, but I think, yeah, people see me, when they don't know me, if I'm dressed gay, quote, 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 um, I, I don't really know. Like, I think people like my style. I think that's more what people will talk to me about. They'll go like, oh, I like your top, or I like your trousers or whatever, or this, that and the other. Um, but I don't really know fully what their thoughts are in terms of this this guy here or whatever, whatever. Um, I would hope it's nice things, but people aren't always that nice, so. Do you have any regrets in life? Yes. I don't like to live with regrets, but I do have some regrets. I think I, I'm glad that I was able to understand who I was from a sexuality point of view from a young age but I regret the age in which I started experimenting I regret the fact that I was so young so naive and I was kind of going for people who <coughs> you know I, I was going for people who maybe weren't you know in the same mindset of me and stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think the age that I was and how I went about things is a big regret of mine, but I'm glad that I was able to understand who I was from a young age. Okay. Is your need for revenge, oh. does that outweigh your need for peace? Yes. And that's a, a bad thing. Obviously it's not great, but I don't take well for disrespect. So when I feel disrespected, I will do anything in my power to ensure that I get that revenge rather than just going, oh, fuck it, I'll just deal with it and, and just go on with life. Again, I don't want to be like that. I don't want that to be a thing, but it just is. I think it comes from how I was treated through school and all that kind of stuff. I want to kind of, yeah, just just get one over on these people that, that have fucked around with me and stuff. So I do feel like I need to change that mindset. And I think that therapy will help. Um, but I do want to change that mindset so I'm not just seeking revenge all the time. I can just kind of go, it's water under the bridge. I can just deal with it. It's a shit situation, but it is what it is. But yes, my need for revenge is, is quite, quite uh, big. Do you have an example of that? Uh, I've got a few examples of that. Um, yes. But I'm not going to fully delve into it. I will, I will delve into it somewhat. So last year, I was speaking to someone I know. Um, and they were still trying to experiment and find out who they are as a person. Um, and trying to understand themselves. And so they spoke to me and they kind of wanted me to help them explore who they were as a person. And as a result of that, like they were 
kind of emotionally manipulative and made me kind of like talk to them about different things that I didn't really want to talk to them about but because they were in this vulnerable state they kind of used me as that pawn to kind of um, you know understand more and stuff and then they left me high and dry so I've poured my heart out to them I'm speaking to them I'm helping them work themselves out as a result of that I've divulged into certain bits of information this that and the other and then left me high and dry and they've basically fucked me around what I want to do, and when I say revenge, it's kind of like, I want to, they've blocked me on everything, but what I want to do is, I want to, for example, in my mind sometimes it's like, should I make a fake Snapchat account or a Facebook account, find them, and then be like, don't fuck with me, and all that kind of stuff, and that message and stuff. I, I haven't, just to yet. put it like that, I yet. haven't, yet. Um, but also in my head I know, why am I putting so much time into this thing? Life has just gone on, you know? My life hasn't changed, it hasn't been affected by that. It's just something that's in, in my head that I'm like, now I feel disrespected, I, I want I want that disrespect to kind of be avenged. I, I want to, you know, tell them, you can't just fuck with people like that, you can't just disrespect people in the way that you think you can and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I do want that kind of revenge. Obviously not revenge in terms of like killing someone, but just, Ensure that people know they can't fuck with me and kind of, and that kind of thing. Whereas a normal person would just be like, eh, it's happened, let's just move on. I'm not like that, which is a shame. What things in life do you seek validation for? Um, I seek validation for like friendships mostly and relationships and things like that. So as you are, you know, I've got two friends in this room, you've probably had many times in the past, like, me essentially pour my heart out and, and kind of tell you how much I, I care and, and respect you and love, you know. And I, I just always seek that validation of like, okay, are they still my friends? They still like me. They still want me to be their friend. I hope so, because I really want to be their friend and all that kind of stuff. And again, I know I shouldn't have to seek that validation and all of that, but I just do, and I think it just comes from that little kid in me that's just always wanted to, he's always wanted everyone to like him, I, I just like people liking me, and it's just nice to know that people like me and stuff, so I always seek validation from that point of view, and it does sometimes, like, keep me up at night, and it probably shouldn't, but it does. And my final question for you, which links to, obviously, everything we've spoke about here. Oh, Jesus. Do you really want to be close to, to having a boyfriend slash a strong friendship group etc or do you really just want to fill the void of loneliness oh god I've heard that I've heard that while we're doing it <laughs> um a bit of both I am a lonely person so it would having a boyfriend or you know that that strong friendship whatever would fill that void but I also do just I, I know that I have the ability to love and I want to feel love and give love, you know? So it is a bit of both. I think the the love part outweighs the filling the void part, but it is a sense of kind of both of those things. Um, so that's why I'm kind of so dead set on it. I'd really like a boyfriend, not in like a really desperate way, but in a way that's kind of like, that would help me to fill that void and also help me to give the love that I want to give to people. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone. Um, 
Yeah. Now you know a bit more about me, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. See you on the next one. There he is. Bye. Oh.